Hey there, Horribles. It's your host, Jeremy here, and I just wanted to hit you with a quick couple of notes before the episode. Today's episode is our 47th episode. It is about Gojira, also known as Godzilla, and features our friend Jamie Noguchi. Uh, this is very close to our 50th episode. We've almost hit a year, and we're super excited about it. And to show you that, we have a very special surprise coming up in October. We are covering some of the the pinnacles of the slasher franchises. We're talking about Friday the 13th, we're talking about Halloween, we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, we're talking about Child's Play, and we're talking about Saw. And to help us do that, we're going to have a whole party of people on board to come on and talk about those. So we're very excited to do that, and we're very excited for you to hear it. So make sure all through October you're tuning in for those great episodes. We're going to have some of our, our best guests and best friends back to talk about these things. You guys aren't going to want to miss that. In addition, if you've been listening to the show and you're enjoying it, which we hope you are, we would love it if you could help us out on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash progressively horrified. If you sign up for the Patreon, even at $5 a month, you get extra episodes featuring our discussions of the Fast and the Furious movie franchise. Uh, We call it Progressively Furious. And you also get every new episode of the podcast a week before everybody else. So, you could have been hearing this one a week ago. You could be hearing the episode about The Witch right now, which we're putting out next week. So, if you've got the time and you've got the cash, we would love for you to help us out there and help us make more of this this great content about progressive politics and horror movies. Uh, One last thing, if you can't do that, and we totally understand, we would love it if you would go give us five stars on the podcasting app of your choice. Recommend us to people. Uh, We love finding new audiences, and we hope you guys love us enough to uh, share us with friends. All right, that's it. We're going to jump into Gojira here. Thank you very much, and as always, stay horrified. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards that never agreed to. Tonight we're talking about the original that inspired decades of monster mashes high above Tokyo and sometimes other cities. It's Gojira! I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? You know what I really wasn't expecting in the Godzilla movie? The love triangle. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. All very traditional. Um, (laughs) Next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist, and certified kaiju aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Is this coming out? Can you hear him? No, I can. The first one was a little rough. Okay. Well, he's here, too. Um, I can roar better than that. I well, he's far away. Listen, um, Godzilla couldn't. Godzilla's actually uh, coming in to me on Skype. Couldn't join Zoom. Can't get on Zoom, but he could get on Skype. So he's you know, here. He's, he's what two billion years old. I mean, it takes a while to adapt to technology. You know? he's using, yeah, he's still using ICQ. <laughs> <laughs> This was a Divix file that he sent. That brings us to our special guest tonight. 
a comic book artist and good friend of mine, the artist of the School for Extraterrestrial Girls graphic novels from Paper Cuts. It's Jamie Noguchi. How are you, Jamie? Hello. I'm remoting in from a location that's not my home. So that's why I have this blanket over the microphone. It looks like I'm talking to like a, a, I don't know. It looks like I'm talking to like a kaiju egg on screen. (laughs) I'm thankful that this is not being like the video doesn't go out. So I was going to say a ghost that was hovering under a fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Fancy ghost. Fancy, a fancy ghost, fancy kaiju covering ghost. Very, very It's so hardcore for podcasting that when when he called in, he had the entire blanket over his head and was determined he was just going to do the podcast from under the blanket (laughs) to save sound quality. Yes, I did not think that was necessary. Old Uh, school audio engineering for the way. Now, I'm not sure if that would have been overkill, uh, but is it overkill if you fire uh, a thousand rockets that all miss? The 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 JDF they uh, they learned from the stormtroopers how to aim. So you know, counterpoint: If you hit something, would you fire a thousand rockets? <laughs> would you need to? That was one of my favorite scenes. Not just for the cool rocket effects that missed every time, which I guess good because you shouldn't just throw fireworks at a real man in a rubber suit, which yeah. is what it would have been for any of them to hit. But yeah. I also really love just Godzilla's dinosaur T-Rex. I'm just like weakly swatting at the missiles that are nowhere near it. Yeah. Get well, Get away. He swats at the missiles, but then he can like pick up an entire ass bridge and just be like, fuck this. What this I really thing- appreciated was him gnawing on and then yeeting an entire train. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what was amazing to me about... I guess shows where this movie's focus was, or it's like, hey, we're going to have this monster come in, wreck all these buildings, pick up a train, melt melt entire towers. We're going to do it all. It's going to be smooth. It's going to be beautiful. All right, what about this girl just getting up from a chair? Oh, we're going to need at least three cuts for that. (laughs) Yeah, there was some weird editing. Like, the weirdest editing of that entire film was Emiko having a reaction. All of these shots of Emiko, and it's mostly Emiko, where it's a hard, it's a smash cut, but to a different take of the scene. So she'll just start getting up from a chair and then it'll instantly change to a different take of her already halfway (laughs) up the chair. All I can figure is they must have had a camera that was like a thousand pounds and eight feet around because like there were some very long wide shots of, of like rooms of people uh, that everybody stayed in focus and everything was cool. And then anytime they had to be in a small room with two characters, it was like, how how does film? What's so interesting film. to me is that this was the first Godzilla. And again, I'm so not an expert in it, but it seems like the franchise never really went for this kind of like tone uh, again. Like the Showa Godzilla movies all become like, look at these monsters do shit. They start like this whole franchise making Godzilla more of a protagonist rather than like this horrible and knowable thing. Yeah, he has really the same like path through these movies as other great horror movies, like say Terminator or Don't Breathe. Oh yeah. Where it's like in the first one, He's an unspeakable, horrible thing. And the second one, well, he's our unspeakable, horrible thing. He's going to cuddly. out those other ones. Overwhelmingly likely. I am just a silly, stupid, nonsense brain person. But I did get a little tripped up 
with the metaphor that Godzilla is nuclear bomb that is also endangered. Yeah, there was some really weird messaging there. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there was the bomb and then almost as very prescient environmental stuff, but it was a little wrapped up for my dumb dumb brain to like fully parse. Before we get too deep into that, let's hit some of the basics here as far as uh, who, who made this movie. Uh, our director is Ishiro Honda. Our writers are Takio Murata, Ishiro Honda, Shigeru Kayama, uh, and it stars uh, Akira Takarada, Momoko Kochi, Akihiro Hirata, and Takashi Shimura. Uh, I and I thought you've Akira... added composer and special effects director on here as well, Jamie, I see. Yeah, so uh, Akira Ifukube, he goes on to do a lot of the soundtracks for the preceding Godzilla films. He's most well known for that intro theme, the mm-hmm. the, the Godzilla march. That theme is incredible. It slaps. Yeah. It slaps for centuries. The, it will slap. The very it's beginning so of that movie with that incredible roar, and then mm-hmm. that theme kicks in. Holy <laughs> shit! What a way to start a yeah. movie. And and this is this is the first one. So like, imagine being in the theater, not knowing what's happening. You hear that, and you're like, "That sounds fucking crazy." And then this crazy march comes in, and it's like, "We're going somewhere. Something is happening." But it's also terrifying. Images yeah. um, aren't even on the screen yet. Like using only yeah. seconds of audio, I'm already terrified, awe-inspired, bewildered. Yeah. yeah. Like, in terms of the cast, at least for me, I thought my uh, personal standout was definitely Akihiko Harada as Daisuke Serizawa. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought, again, maybe that's just the character that gets the most dramatic meat in the script. Uh, also, a fucking snack in that eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, for sure. When we, when we first see him, he's got an eye patch on and sunglasses. Dr. Serizawa <laughs> can get it oh you know he can <laughs> yeah this this movie fucking castle this movie not yeah. only has a love triangle but it's like such a classic love triangle of like fainting woman deadly scary twink and then like useless <laughs> handsome man yeah such a useless I, handsome yeah man. i did not like the handsome man i mm, i don't even remember his name that's how Ogata. much i didn't like him yeah he's bad. so, so goddamn down. handsome he were bad. <laughs> like he were bad. shots of him like on the boat, just looking handsome. I was like, who is this man? The movie really introduces him as he is going to be your main point of view character. And then it's really not. It's really like Yamane, father and daughter, who are Mm -hmm. much more our POV characters. Um, And Ogata just, he's not as interesting as any of the other characters. And he's always doing shit badly. But we'll get into that. Yeah. I'm also not clear if he works for the military or if he just owns like a salvage boat that's always just in the right place. I was never clear. He's just pretty. He's a contractor. He's Blackrock. Ogata, you really suck. You were (laughs) testing the H-bombs. You did this, Ogata. Probably was. Yeah, he probably did. I don't trust that motherfucker. And then you have too uh, the, the special effects ed- director on this, uh, Eiji Tsuburaya. Oh, yes. Okay, so Eiji Tsuburaya, he goes on to form Tsuburaya Productions, which is responsible for Ultraman. I took this description from IMDb, and I'm Jamie was unclear on this, and I, I feel the same way, because it's the IMDb description is, American nuclear weapons testing results in the creation of a seemingly unstoppable dinosaur-like beast. The movie definitely seems to imply that they did not create but awaken and then I guess perhaps also exposed they, to radiation this already yeah, yeah. giant like Godzilla yeah. was already there and then they just lightly irradiated it 
which yeah. I have to say the lab, the science safety in this movie is so bad. <laughs> long time. Oh, a violation. Oh, a violation. Long time <laughs> viewers of this podcast. Remember, uh, Bronwyn, our science, our lab safety expert. I had to rush to DM her fucking Dr. Yamane being like, yup, this footprint's radioactive as fuck. I'm gonna go splishy splash in the mud with my bare hands. Yeah, I'm gonna go yeah, he, he... my hands and drink it and like f- roll around in it and shit. <laughs> like... Yeah, I love that. I think it's telling of like that time specifically that Yamane is like, oh, let me grab this trilobite out of this this footprint that we just said is heavily irradiated. And one of the dudes behind him was like, hey, uh, maybe don't do that. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, let's put it in a plastic bag, like, I guess. Not even gloves. Here <laughs> are my daughter. Fucking gloves. <laughs> Radiation. Geiger counters are involved in two of my favorite, like, laughs in this movie. Like, bad <laughs> footprint safety. And also, like, at the beginning of, like, the climax, act three of the movie, when they're, like, they're using Geiger counters to be- pinpoint his location and it's just one guy dangling off the side of a boat yeah "Yeah, it's it's here well the 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 radiation count of godzilla i think you you know once it's like ah, i mean they probably have the kind of geiger counters i mean the shit they had in fucking chernobyl that Mm -hmm. only went to like 50 or whatever and i'm like well it's broken so i think he's here (laughs) none of the movies ever talk about radioactive fallout because every one of these movies everyone in them would be dead like the the new american ones like um uh 11 i can't remember her name millie bobby brown she would be dead because she's way close to all of the nuclear fallout in king of the monsters yeah and yet she shows up in king kong versus godzilla i'm like how come you don't have cancer how come you're not dead? Because everyone involved in these movies is so fucking close to Godzilla. And he's yeah. like radioactive. So I did do a little bit of research and the name Gojira is a portmanteau of gorilla, Gorira, and whale, Kujira, gorilla whale. Godzilla's ha- gorilla whale. I have to imagine that King Kong coming out in the 30s had to have like some international influence on the giant monster genre. There's a big connection between the Loch Ness monster myth and the release of King Kong because in the King Kong movie, there's like a bunch of dinosaurs and it was the first time that you really saw dinosaurs in movies. And so people were like really scared of this big brontosaurus or whatever, excuse me, I I think maybe it's a patasaurus. It's like Prince. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were in the 30s. They didn't know what was going on. They were just yeah. fucking putting bones together like Legos. I mean, like, dinosaur. we made a dinosaur. They're two million years old. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, carbon dating. Is- I never met her. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> the one thing that I want to see now that we've had the conglomeration of all these music or of all these movie studios and all the mixing of, of properties, I still do want to see the movie where we get uh, Godzilla versus Gamera. I think that, yeah, I think that's a thing. They've got like a live action. Product like did like a stage production of it at one point. I I haven't seen like a because like he was definitely created as like a knockoff Godzilla, but yeah, he's for anybody that doesn't know, he's the turtle with uh, rocket booster legs. Yeah, friend to all children. Yeah, he's now yeah, Gamera from the get go was. As soon as you hit sixteen, though, you don't give a shit about you. <laughs> it's like Narnia, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only way that Gamera will care is that. If, but less Jesus-y or more Jesus-y. I mean, he does kind of create like a cross situation with those four jets. 
And he's yeah. always just sort of emerging from his grave because he's a turtle. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, of biblical connotation to Gomorrah. Um, that'll be on our Patreon. My uh, my essay about Gomorrah and Jesus. <laughs> I'm All just right, I'm disappointed that Shape of Water didn't kick off a whole new wave of like monster romance movies. Because for a brief time, I'm like, oh, it's Mothman's time to shine. <laughs> oh, I am certain there's there definitely all... a movie out there somewhere where Mothman fucks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, like there's a million. Yeah. Like, I think that it's coming. I, I think... follow at least two people that draw that once a week on Twitter. So <laughs> yes. speaking of things, I've been doing this you, all wrong, man. <laughs> the only thing I know about the cryptid Mothman is that he is a great boyfriend. Got a nice ass. That's all I know about Mothman. <laughs> And Mothman fucks. Mothman does fuck. And Richard Gere is in a movie about him. Did Mothman exist before Twitter? I don't yes. even know. Okay. Where it's a plane. It's Mothman. <laughs> Speaking of triggering be. things, what, what sort of trigger warnings would we give people about this? I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, various radiation stuff. Uh, like they natural, name check Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki uh, directly. Natural disasters lots of collapsing buildings uh yeah this ain't avengers people die all over this city yeah this is not like pacific rim godzilla versus king kong where you're like we like this is great like yay destruction this is this gonna make you feel bad yeah would you would you put a like a suicide warning on this or like a self-sacrifice warning on this one I'd put some fucking warning on the scene with the mom and the kids. Yeah. Where they're, they're, they're just like, we're going to die now. (laughs) And it's very sad. We're going to where daddy is, is the line. Jesus. Fucking hell. (laughs) Yeah. Alicia was watching this with me and she was like, oh no. Yeah. It's, it's not a happy go lucky. Like Godzilla told me to find my own battles, Manila time. It's, this is like, (laughs) This is harsh shit as like, far as the Godzilla is concerned. I'm yeah, trying it's... to even imagine what like the equivalent would be. It's like, hey, we got Reese Witherspoon in a one minute cameo in Godzilla vs. Kong and she's just going to die horribly. Yeah. I mean, if they weren't cowards, that's what they would do. If they weren't <laughs> cowards, they wouldn't have any. They would just get rid of the humans. Just monster island movie all time. King Kong coming. That, of age, that is a thing. Like there's the, in a lot of the Showa Godzilla movies, you had Godzilla and his plucky sidekick and Gideus, who was like a armadillo or something. And they would go around and be like, who's this asshole attacking Tokyo? That's my territory. And they yeah. would actually talk, talk to, each, to each, other. each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's all I want. And there was like word balloons. Behind her. Yeah, yeah. And then in the dubbed versions, it had like their dubbed voices. <laughs> Legendary. Are you? fucking listening <laughs> yeah i feel What's like you do have to warn people that godzuki does not appear in this film king Ghidorah has three voices at least one of them can be gilbert godfried <laughs> <laughs> well, they have a whole canon now that like one of king Ghidorah's heads is stupid so I'm, i love that I'm i love honest. that okay Isn't here's the thing Ghidorah, the entire blue collar comedy tour Just- <laughs> I was going to suggest that King Ghidorah is the three hyenas from The Lion King. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I mean, seriously, that's... Larry the Cable Guy, Ron White, and Jeff Foxworthy. Just... <laughs> Ghidorah. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Bill Engvall can be the tail. He already <laughs> is. Yeah, oh. right? Fucking Ron White was always the best of those guys. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we have to worry about spoiling this uh, movie. 
because I want to talk like off the bat here, just before we jump into our, our thing, because it, it fits, I think, in between these things. There's this mm. woman on the train in this movie who's oh like, my God. only dialogue is like, holy shit, I lived through Nagasaki and I dealt with like finding out that all our fish were irradiated and were killing us for this lizard bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> the like, level of done with it that this woman is. Yeah, she is an icon that reverberates like 70 years later. Absolutely. She is, she is the mood of 2021. Yeah. I, Delta variant. Are you kidding me? Ugh. Like another fire compare the two. But just that level of like I went through one horrific traumatic thing and now we're dealing with another one. And the reaction isn't more trauma. It's just. God fucking damn it. I just want to watch a TV show. Get home and watch a show. Yeah, that's yeah. like, that's how just, it is with the fire out here. <laughs> just real relatable. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we're like, like, I saw a Ryan George video where it was like, so has this made you stronger or are you just numb? And he's like, boy, I don't know. And he, <laughs> You're my I don't know. I don't know. Does that that's where this lady's at. Doesn't know if she's stronger or just completely dead inside. Someone should do a dojin about her, like her, right? her survival and stuff. I want to do the dojin that's just like her after she gets out of that train, walking home, being like, I fucking wore heels today. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Gotta you walk to her. wherever I go. I can't fucking imagine I got a home. Gotta move again. Yeah, it's, and I think she finally meets her doom ha- tangoing on a fucking yacht in Tokyo Bay where she's yeah. like, fuck it. Me and all my buddies, you know, we're not masking up. We're done. We're so done with this. We're all going to go together and onto this oh, no. boat into the middle of where everything is bad. <laughs> you know, I don't think they were really like, there was no like explicit, like we're going to go to the middle of where the danger is kind of thing because people weren't really aware of it publicly. But it is a really interesting nothing has changed moment where like people could go through so much shit and be like, I just am so tired of it. I'm done. I wish this lady had become a recurring character and she appeared in all the movies and wherever she went to try to get away from monsters, that's where monsters would be. My characters! Godzilla's never going to attack Hokkaido. Fucking King Ghidorah, (laughs) what? (laughs) I think it's the, the Odo Island is supposed to be around Hokkaido because that's I'm only getting this from the fact that they have cows. Well, now you're <laughs> seeing how good my knowledge of Japanese geography is. Odo Island is not a real place, right? Like no. that's a, it's a fake no. place. It's a, yeah. it's a fake island. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I it's mean, it was of... real, but then Godzilla sank it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of depressing how timeless this movie is. Just like... All, all the themes of like the, the 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 people being done with it, but like also the government trying their best to to not tell the public that they're in immediate grave fucking danger, and just like I don't know, man. I I would really like to believe that humanity as a species can learn from the past, but 2021 and Godzilla 1954 is still a relevant movie. Yeah, I, I mean the scene where the military asked Dr. Yamane like. How do we kill it? And he's like, fucking you can't. Like, H-bombs are what woke it up. If H-bombs just make it mad, the fuck are you going to do that an H-bomb could? And they're like, okay, we hear you. We hear you. Electric fence and some machine guns. That should do the trick. 
Yeah, we're going to shoot it at range. We're going to just wait it. Godzilla's going to be like, ah, oh, this is too much of a pain in the ass. I'm going to Korea. Like, we built a really big, my toe. Uh. We built a really big mouse trap and then put a giant pile of fish on the mouse trap. Do you think that will work in stopping Godzilla? <laughs> Only if we replace the fish with trains, because obviously he's into. Tra- well, actually, no, he got mad at the train because it hit his foot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where he was like, ah. Again, fucking mood. If a train, like, <laughs> if I stop my toe on a train, <laughs> oh, you think I'm not going to kick that train? You want it and then eat it somewhere. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about what does happen in this movie a little bit. Because it is, I, I feel like people really complain with, like, modern Godzilla movies that there's too much buildup and Godzilla doesn't appear till. 20 or 30 minutes into the movie. God, that's exactly what happens in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah. know, but it, it it works for me this time, though. Yeah, because, I mean, we start with a boat full of sailors, and oops, it blows up. And uh, nobody knows what's going on, so the military is like, hey, let's send out this other boat. Oh, that boat also blows up and disappears. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, a fishing boat found some of our guys. They're safe. They're co- Oh, that one's gone, too. That almost felt like a Monty Python sketch. Just this progression of boats, <laughs> I like, just getting blown. Yeah, and they, they finally, the spinal like, tap drummer over and over again. <laughs> I was like, we get a crashed, like, helicopter around here where it's, like, like a little later. I'm like, for the most part, the miniatures in this movie are amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think there's one, like, the only the only time the miniatures took me out was, like, one crashed helicopter where they didn't really put much, like, background miniature environments around it. So you tell that it wasn't quite sized, that, like, the proportions were off. But other than that, like, what they're able to do with miniatures, again, in 1954, incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it helps that the movie is filmed so noir, you know? Like, there's so, there's so much, like, darkness um and high contrast and stuff like that so they really really take advantage of that like there's a lot of um silhouette action and dramatic lighting and even though when we first see godzilla it's in the middle of the goddamn day the the kind of glimpse that we see of it and the the contrast fucking abominable snowman from rudolph like just peeking up over the mountain yeah i mean (laughs) but it is so weird you know like it's very surreal and then the way that a lot of that is shot the compositing again i thought was real good like making stuff Mm -hmm. like big or small like again there's so many things where i'm like this is genius filmmaking so why the fuck couldn't emiko get out of a chair in one take (laughs) yeah my i would love to like go on a deep dive i'm sure there's like all sorts of wikipedias about it but my i have a i have a theory that it has to do with the amount of film and the amount of time and they had to like edit things together and to, to keep make a particular time but that's just wild speculation on my part yeah, so. but, the, the uh, Odo Island stuff is interesting because I feel like it gets it gets a little uh, it gets a little like uh, weird people living on an outlying island. This, I mean, it's like you mean it feels like it must best... be the Japanese equivalent of like ugh, people from the south. Um, okay, you mean the village elder, aka the best fucking character in the movie, <laughs> just casually admonishing the the youth of today for not doing ritual human sacrifice enough? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Oh, there's like a dance we used to do, but the, I mean, the big thing is we used to like choose a virgin maiden and slaughter her in the ocean. That's why you guys got this monster problem. You're not killing <laughs> enough virgins. <laughs> Which again, begs the question, if it was... H bombs of like the last few years, 
that was that like made Godzilla wake up. What the fuck has this village been sacrificing ladies to all this time? <laughs> well, obviously, it's already it's been there for a while because it's been like hanging out, you know, the Godzillasaurus or whatever, which is mm-hmm. that's taken from later canon. Uh, no one in this film says Godzillasaurus. Thank God, Zilla. <laughs> But um, <laughs> you think he? So you think by the rules of it, he'd have found one virgin when he destroyed all of Tokyo, and then just like, all right, I'm good. I got my one sacrifice. Or maybe they did do the like dance. You, a, not they, in you Tokyo. Gotta, they didn't do the dance. <laughs> you got to do the dance. You, you got to do, do the, the. You got to do the virgin sacrifice dance. Yeah. Well, also on the island, you have these dudes running around with fucking katanas. We are not in the Sengoku era. This movie is supposed to take place in 1954 when it came out. Yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of questions about this rural fishing village with the radiation monster as part of their ancient folklore. So it probably has only been like Godzilla has only been like irradiated recently. I, I hope mean, when this guy means like back in my day, he means like 1949. I think he means earlier than that. But, you know, I think that was like the dinosaur that was chilling out in like the ancient cave or whatever. Um, God, like, I'm sure there's a million Wikipedias on this, but, um, <laughs> why didn't there's... they bring this guy to the diet and talk about how they weren't sacrificing enough humans to appease Godzilla? Well, that's the thing is when, um, Dr. Yamane was like, well, on Odo Island, they have particular traditions. So <laughs> in light of those traditions, we have decided to name the monster Godzilla instead of sacrifice a virgin girl, <laughs> Emiko. <laughs> hold this radioactive trilobite and then go for a swim yeah so this is this is where we get the like reporters you flying it, in, sorry, you, in think Emiko, you think emiko's the virgin you think anyone spending that much time with like a absolute fucking snack dr serizawa and <laughs> pr- and pretty wall of nothing that is ogata She's not hanging out with Ogata for the fucking conversation. Yeah, we're, I kept we're not here to, to like, sacrifice shame. Hey, yeah. giant, giant radiation monster aside, do you want to do anything about this guy who just casually confessed to murder? I mean, no, he also, gonna... I think there's a pretty clear reason why that dude isn't standing in front of the diet. I mean, if you think about it. We like, brought local Godzilla expert here. He straight up tells the reporters like, oh yeah, it's the sea god, Godzilla. This thing that we're supposed to be sacrificing stuff to, but we didn't, so that's why. So they're doing a stupid dance, but that's not going to be enough because we didn't kill anybody. Um, and Apparently then, like, the dance like immediately results in the shit getting fucked up. Yeah, we, we do get this mysterious storm in the middle of the night where I was like, I don't know what is happening in this scene, but like, <laughs> yeah, it gets super we... intense. And I, I think we're like supposed to assume that it's like Godzilla has come and walked across there and left footprints and I guess killed a bunch of people in the process. Yeah, well, but, he has. Yeah. But was it that Godzilla caused the storm or but did the storm just go and Godzilla was like, all right, fuck it. I can like, look, now's when I feel like doing this. Like, so well, I mean, there's uh, that and there's storm. There's also the fact that when you have like that much of a temperature shift, like if Godzilla is truly radioactive and he's coming out of the water and you know we have like all of whatever the fuck he's got with you know hanging out with the atmosphere i'm sure that like air pressure and weather science happens i'm not a weather scientist monsters so big that they change the local weather is fucking i mean that's 
kind of it, isn't it? I mean, like that's the thing about Godzilla is that it's it's um it's, or just we don't see that kind of storm like again, but maybe he's more inland. Again, my geography is not great. Yeah, I gotta I gotta say I haven't watched any of the new Godzilla movies. Is there a a needle drop at some point of Imagine Dragons radioactive in there because I feel like otherwise it's a missed no. opportunity, right? No, I mean they did. It feels was... like it should have been in the Millie Bobby Brown movie. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, but then like they did do someone did do a um an an OV or excuse me, what is it? AMV, gosh, an AMV of Evangelion Aww. to radioactive, um, which is <laughs> basically the same thing. So. What uh, I the bone I have to pick covers. with the new American Godzilla movies is okay. Ken Watanabe is playing a different Doctor Serizawa. How do they at no point put him in an eye patch? He needs depth perception. Fucking Ken Watanabe in an eye patch. Yes, that would have been great. Yeah, but like we the sun could have been in an eye patch. Actually, that's a good point. It's a very good point. Yeah. Oh no, that was a. Don't even get me started on how much they wasted that amazing concept for a character. They've made a lot of they well, there were a lot of opportunities missed in these new Godzilla movies. I don't hate them. I actually quite like them. But yeah. you know, if they really wanted to get in there with like those references, there were plenty of opportunities to do so with but you know, this is this is just an example of how the focus of the Godzilla movies has shifted so much from actual character action and the effect of this shit on people as opposed to cool monster go boom you know mm. my favorite part of uh godzilla vs kong is like that eight minute sequence where king kong is in like the center of the earth and he's bouncing around and he's finding like a world that's his size that's actually meant for him and it's all and it's this beautiful emotional journey of connecting with a home he never knew all done silently and then my least favorite part is fucking Rebecca Hall comes in and is like, he's discovering his past. Like, yeah, thanks, Rebecca <laughs> Hall. I fucking got it. I'm watching the movie. I actually haven't seen Godzilla versus Kong yet. Oh, no. It's okay. Oh, no. <laughs> this is all. Oh, no. I've so, seen so, so of, much. Speaking of the human effects of, of this, <laughs> this is where we get introduced to our protagonists. Uh, we have... Dr. Yamane, a famous zoologist, which is apparently a thing, um, his sister, his daughter Emiko, uh, who is there to uh, be pretty and faint, um, her I... handsome friend slash either is or soon to be at this point boyfriend, Dete Ogata. Together. And uh, we also meet Emiko's eye patch wearing scientist fiance, who is at this point wearing an eye patch with sunglasses. Uh, like that's a, a baller boss. move. That's a baller move right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, uh, but uh, he's not going on this expedition. He is too busy uh, living in Castle Frankenstein doing crazy experiments. <laughs> yeah, this dude. This dude is just like off the map. Like, and the, when they introduce this guy, like everybody, Emiko and um, Ogata and Yamane, like the whole fam is up on the boat about to go to Odo Island to like, like figure out what the fuck. Because this is after the, the the storm, and they're like, okay, so shit's gone down out there. And I I have to mention that like during this time, if you haven't seen this film, a lot of time is spent with local governments and going up through the various local like the various stages of government to you know prefectural and the diet and all that kind of stuff, where people are trying to manage the situation, um, which is very classic. But it's not something that a lot of people identify with Godzilla movies anymore 
um, and which makes it actually more more similar to a contemporary disaster movie than a the kaiju movies that were so popular in the Showa era, which is the mm-hmm. '60s and '70s. Um, and uh, the so when we see our main characters, it is after we have sort of all this context of how people are dealing in various sectors, you know, the fishermen, the, the Navy, et cetera, um, of you know, trying to figure this thing out. And it's actually really kind of fascinating in that way. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, Emiko Ogata and Yamane have sort of a, have given us a more relatable human protagonist element. Um, and so when they go on this ship to go to Odo Island, and they apparently adopt the kid who is orphaned by Godzilla's foot, um, who steps on his parents, which is very <laughs> sad. Um, which I think his dad or maybe his older brother was a survivor of like the Bingo Maru or the Eiko Maru, which are the names of the first boats that disappeared. Bingo Maru. I'm like, that's that is a name. <laughs> So, um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out that famous zoologist and I'm trying to think of like, who would we call in like different countries? And it just makes me like, OK, if a giant alligator monster had attacked Australia, <laughs> and then, like, would the Australian government have like, get me Steve Irwin? We need Steve Irwin to help fight the <laughs> kaiju. Yeah. Fuck yeah, you would. 100 percent. Sure that's what the, the Crocodile Hunter movie is about, isn't it? I know there is a Crocodile Hunter movie. I've never seen it, but I'm sure that's what it's about. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they're on the boat, and then. Um, so quickly, uh, counterpoint to all the intelligent things you've said. This uh, long shot of Sarazawa standing on the pier, yes. looking sinister as fuck, is clearly something that has been referenced like by every Final Fantasy bad guy artist in the entire history of that that franchise. <laughs> and just like, here is a man silently plotting to do something. Yeah. I yeah that's basically I mean you picked it up Jeremy that's basically what I was going to get into there because this dude and they don't he doesn't say anything we don't know who he is he's just there but we know that he's fucking important he is giving some shit he is giving every villain flag you can possibly give off instead he's just like a very traumatized sad boy in the midst of like an impossible (laughs) philosophical dilemma yeah, this this yeah. shot, the only thing, the only words that could possibly like even come out of his mouth at this point is just him going, so this guy. And it's just like <laughs> he's, he's like he's just so he comes off as so villainous, and all of it is is just a log shot of him and sunglasses he, and an eye patch and a dark just in a shit character mood. that yeah. while <laughs> everyone else is running away, he's standing stock still and goes, and so it begins. Yeah. <laughs> he's got resting villain face. He sure does. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to do when you have an eye patch. <laughs> well, yes. It's not just the eye patch. The eye patch and sunglasses is a very villainous combo. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking, he's fucking awesome. And then, like, <laughs> the exchange with Ogata and Emiko, and, and Ogata's like, oh, hey, look, it's Sarasawa. And Emiko's <laughs> like, ah, yep. But, but, but bye, babe. Bye. Bye, bye. fiance. Bye. Um, when the reporter. And- like, oh, that's her fiance. I'm like, mm, that's definitely not who she was sleeping with, though. Nope. Yeah, I know, because that's that is how we are introduced to this situation as being a, a fucking love triangle. Because she was in the room, she was living with Ogata 
you know, they were going to go see the, the Budapest String Quartet, to, but, you know, Godzilla happened. And so I that was canceled. I think it's a missed opportunity to not let Godzilla weigh in on the love triangle and who Godzilla thinks Emiko shouldn't get with at the end. <laughs> Obviously. Well, I don't know. I mean, if Godzilla could choose, I'm sure he would choose Ogata because Serizawa just fucking killed him. Yeah, so. can we appreciate that? Has that ever happened ever again where one human essentially by himself just took out Godzilla? Yes. Yeah, there have been a couple of other it's it's more physical in the, the later episodes, but this one is this one has more weight than than the other killings, I feel like. Yeah, it's, well the, it's, it's, there's the whole well, sacrifice element to it too. Yes, it's the it's the dilemma of like I've created this thing and I can't use it. But my fiance, who's fucking this other dude, has asked me to use it. And so I will use it. But if I if I if I survive this, then there's no way I can guarantee that I won't be persuaded again to create this for nefarious purposes. So I must die because of my fucking fiance asking me to do that. Now, this guy is a fucking Byronic hero. Yeah, well, and and uh, <clears throat> this is also that there's hero. there's more to this character than the other characters that I think have sacrificed themselves for Godzilla because I mean the later movies you rarely have the same kind of strong character building um, you know because there's so much so many other moving parts and stuff. Yeah, weirdly, uh, for as much I as mean, like his character is definitely other than maybe you know Doctor Yamana uh, Yamana his is maybe the most built up character but he's probably in this movie the least out of the four you know human protagonists the level of complexity and depth is just so much more than like i mean hell this is an academy award-winning role and compared to it everything else is like daytime television like everyone else is just dealing with like i'm government man and i want to do bad government stuff yeah. He's like, how do I balance science versus man's horrible nature as I've suffered through the trauma of war as I like became know that I am capable of unleashing a far greater atrocity? I'm like, well, you are dealing with yeah. way, way heavier stuff than like anyone else. Ogata just doesn't know how to tell you he's banging your fiance. That's his character <laughs> conflict. Yeah. He doesn't and he even never know how gets to ask- around to it. Serizawa fucking pieces that shit together yeah. himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, oh God, it's like, okay, I'm gonna ask Yamane for Emiko's hand. And then he's, and then Yamane comes in and he's like, all right, here we go. And Yamane's like, I can't believe they're doing this stuff. And then God is like, uh, future, hopefully future father-in-law that I'm looking for approval from, you're wrong. You're uh, all this stupid shit. and fuck Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. And then she's like, sucks. get out of my house. <laughs> Leave. I blew yeah. it. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my empty house in, with no furniture. In general, yeah, sure. just the fucking nerve of being like, yep, now's the time for me to like ask this. I'm like, guy, fucking pick your moment. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you, Agata's house has no furniture in it. It's just like a bed on the floor. No, like nothing hanging on the walls. He's never cooked oh. there. Like, it's just that kind of. Oh, yes. <laughs> his house the thing is Jeremy, of course he, he has no bed frame and it's not for any cultural reasons okay yeah that's what i'm saying that I, like, that I made that i'm unfamiliar about because i don't know beds i i don't know anything i'm a big dumb dumb face i mean a regular man's apartment especially a man who's not yet married is probably gonna be like four walls there's a sink in the corner especially in tokyo um and there's like a futon on the floor and you know there you go boom 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 you know, his, his place was actually relatively nice. He had stuff on the wall, but 
He had a really nice little undershirt on, looking a little uh, Mifune esque. Look, we're not we're not arguing that he wasn't hot. That was all he had going <laughs> for him. Sorry, I just kept, I like a moth to a flame. There I am. I'm just have to talk about it. Like a moth. Oh to God, a, a hot I'm wall a of nothing. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> He's is a body pillow made thin. of muscles. Yes, he is a body pillow. <laughs> He's a fucking body pillow. <laughs> He's just a body pillow man. Body pillow coon. <laughs> I wish that like Emiko was the kind of character who's like you know, uh, just keep doing push-ups, babe. Just keep doing push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to Serizawa for you because every I, time I he feel. Tra- Go ahead. Oh, I I feel like Emiko is is the smartest one in the bunch, even though Sarazawa is like the hero of this movie. Emiko yeah. knows enough to be like, I'm not good with him because he's too intense. So I'm going to hang out with this fuckboy for a while and and like save my sanity. I'm not going to get dragged down into Sarazawa's shit with him. Yeah. Even though even though we all love Sarazawa, like Emiko is smart enough to be like, OK, this this is not. There For is me? such a wonderful level of emotional intelligence that Emiko has. And really, I kind of think the ultimate moment of agency in the movie is hers. Because I think the thing that, like, the really the decision that changes the course of the movie isn't Serizawa deciding to use the oxygen destroyer. It's Emiko deciding to tell Ogada and going to convince Serizawa to use the oxygen destroyer. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Cause you know, her character seems like she, she does faint a lot and she does have very like um, intense reactions to things, um, which suggests sort of a, a wilting flower, but she does make these very, very strong decisions. And she does have the emotional maturity to know that Sarazawa is never gonna be like available to her. You know, he's not gonna be a partner. He's He's married to his work so much so that he has lives in a fucking castle, not just a fucking castle, a fucking castle in Japan. With Where a scary basement that? full of science. How full much of every did that science. castle cost? Yeah. Was yeah like, so how expensive. The zoning for that? Like, I mean. It keeps people away. <laughs> I, I just imagine Obviously. him like describing it to to the person that was going to build it. They're like, what, what, what style would you like this castle to be? I was thinking frankenstein can you have like a wanted to be built like a frankenstein castle (laughs) there's either a weird made up 300 year old history of that castle or he had that shit built in like 52 oh you know well you know my my personal headcanon based on this movie alone and nothing that i've read ever is that like his dad or whatever like had some sort of you know he went to europe and he's like now this is where it's at these walls are made out of rocks. <laughs> Holy shit. And then he comes back and he's like, I want this castle. It's like, like in the pictures. I mean, I love that. Castle me. I, castle I, love, me. That. I love that. That's, that's fantastic. He, he stood and the whole time it was being built, he stood on the next hill over with his hands clasped behind his back going, yes. <laughs> and I wish I could give credit to Emiko for really being the one to convince Serizawa but I feel like the most of the credit for that goes to sad girl singing sad songs over sad news footage yeah I know. yeah 
Yeah. The radio did it. The the prayer for peace was what got him. Because otherwise, it's like, nah, fuck you all. <laughs> yeah. I don't and care if wa- Godzilla kills y'all, you're fucked. <laughs> he well, kicks yeah, the cause... shit out of Ogaton. It's like, oh, you had one job. <laughs> I know, like this little frail dude is like, you know, he's, well, Ogaton doesn't understand. Like, that's another thing is that at least Sarazawa understands science safety, um, unlike many of the other characters in this film. He tells and- people to back up. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. He wears and Mako's about to stare at the oxygen destroyer and he's like, Bitch, back up just a little bit. He yeah. has gloves. That was the thing that really drove him and Yamane apart was their differing over glove policy. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Violation>. <laughs> yeah, like this this scene where they go to the island, which which is where we were at in the, the thing. And like like he's just like Yamane's just like jumping in. He's like, hey, look, a footprint. And the guy the, the one guy with the the uh Geiger uh, counter. The, the Geiger counter is like, oh, that's real radioactive. Yamane's like, look. <laughs> A little, a little chill bite. Because Look like, at my you, radioactive uh, thing. Maybe don't pick that up. That's very radioactive. It tastes great. When when <laughs> you save uh, ancient Sengoku era village from brigands, you get cocky. So that's yeah. why he jumps into the. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that. That's that. That's that bravado that made him a famous zoologist. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my yeah, God, and this is the point where Godzilla shows up in broad daylight to this very, is over the hill. very scary drums. Yeah, he's then, just like looking over the hill at them, like, hey, "What's up?" It's and then over to the them, like, I, "We got our swords, charge! Get the <laughs> out, back so, the fuck up!" Godzilla is—he's not there to be in this movie yet. He's got places to be before before he really gets into the being in this movie. So he just like checks in with everybody over the hill and keeps going. Um, yeah, am I on yet? Is that my cue? That that's not my cue. Right. Okay, fuck he's, it. Oh no, this is, into the bay. this is obviously a Kurosawa movie. I gotta go over here because uh, y'all. Oh like, no, this that was that this guy in the Seventh Samurai. Really... Fuck this, I'm out. Yeah, they have swords. swords. Why do they have swords? I'm in the wrong movie. Yeah, we never saw whether the swords work. <laughs> maybe the swords are like meteor metal, like Goemon sword, and maybe that'll work. That was deep cut. You think the person launching the rockets was just once like, well, if we just do one shot of like, well, if we just nail that and like mascot with a firework. I mean, they just keep cutting. It's not a few rockets. It's not one shot of rockets missing. They keep going back and showing more rockets. I don't missing. know how they keep re- reloading those rockets, but I, the only thing I can tell myself to excuse this is that they were trying to dazzle Godzilla and like, you know, like a, oh. like a bird's, display yeah like a like a fear display like they were trying well, to what i think he lights and distract him to walk what i found uh, very realistic finish. was yamane being hey godzilla hates the spotlight and you're making him mad and more violent and like cool so more spotlight is what you're yeah, saying so we should flash more lights at him doubling down on the flashlights yeah so anyway we're we're back we're still on odo island godzilla st- oh my god <laughs> yeah, we're, we're holy shit we're jumping around um yeah we've seen godzilla we're, and they take yeah. photos somehow with the radiation and uh you know we see godzilla's big ass footprints and then um so then now we're at another meeting and yamani's like so yetis exist maybe they have big ass footprints and Did also Godzilla ever fight yetis this movie sets up that yetis exist or according to dr yamane like 
I don't know where the Yeti thing comes in. I guess it's his like introduction to like things with big footprints. I don't know. I didn't really get the thesis, but anyway. So then he's it like, seemed to be like, if these fake animals exist, then maybe this fake animal also yeah. exists. And here's some dinosaurs from me, two million years ago. The let me explain period. how dinosaurs worked. <laughs> Narration: It was not how dinosaurs worked, but I don't oh, know. There's, there's some real science with like. We're going to turn oxygen into liquid. I'm like, that's not how elements or liquid works. Or oxygen or science. But that's, you know what? Did Maybe we have he... subatomic particles in the 50s? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know how old dinosaurs were then either. So It's okay. like watching original Cosmos and being like, there's nine planets that we know of and Pluto's one of them. Are there other planets out there? Who knows? And that's like, there's so many goddamn planets. We yeah. find, find like a thousand fucking planets every goddamn day. Yeah. But like Pluto's not eight. one of them. But not Pluto. Oh, Pluto. Well, even then, like, how did the dinosaurs die? One of our great mysteries. And then like six years later, it's like fucking meteor did it. Yeah, we figured it out. No mystery. It's a goddamn meteor. We get the incredible scene of like the diet of suit man says, keep everything secret. And lady says, nah, tell people what's going on. And look. I don't know which one of them's right, but I know that when a suit guy who looks way too full of himself is arguing with a lady who looks really fed up with a man's bullshit, I'm a side with the lady. Oh, yeah, she was awesome. I want a movie about her. Yeah. I want about a movie about her, like, involvement in local government, about, like, I want the, uh, what's that movie with Sandra Bullock? <laughs> Shit. Speed two cruise control. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is already that. The lake house. The, you mean the greatest time movie ever that connects the far off years of 2004 and 2006? It's the net. You want the net. That's what you want. The Pelican Brief? My no, God. I love the idea of Practical magic. Able, I love the idea of being able to communicate with someone like, two years in advance and just spoiling like everything for them like the week before i mean it's the plot of your name is um, it like i just want to drive someone insane by like the week before Endgame comes out and i'm just like yep iron man dies at the end well they were pretty <laughs> preoccupied with like disaster in that movie too but you know that's a different movie um sandra bullock in the movie about the water but this chick in the lake house <laughs> <laughs> damn it Right? The one with Sandra Bullock and the water. I mean, I could have this whole time. I could have Miss Congeniality. Oh yeah, I could have looked it up on Google, but this is funnier, I guess. But yeah, this yeah. story about this woman is yelling at the fucking representative want, or whatever. I want the sequel where 2021 Sandra Bullock has to talk to 2019 Keanu, and she's just warning him about the pandemic and Godzilla <laughs> and Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> He's, he's going to fight King Kong. Just Keanu Reeves going, you're making this shit up. That's yeah. stupid. He's like, there's no way. There's no way People they're going to have him dumb. fight King Kong. No way. And it's going to be thoroughly okay. Pretty good. Most non-heinous. But um... what I do appreciate is that Dr. Yamane, in between seeing Godzilla for five seconds and going to talk to the diet about him, uh, knows everything about Godzilla suddenly. <laughs> he is like, you see the H-bombs were tested over here. And the shelf down there goes back to the Jurassic period. So clearly, we woke up a two million year old dinosaur, and he now has he's soil samples, and killing everybody. So, he, has he has soil samples. Soil samples. There have been tests. You know, he's a representative of a scientific team. 
You know, he's like a conglomerate character, like the lady he's in, in Chernobyl. A famous zoologist. He's a famous <laughs> zoologist that's been studying the seafloor in trilobites. And he knows about trilobites. He knows about uh, radioactivity, except not to handle things. Uh, he doesn't know anything. About I think he knows about radioactivity. radioactivity. He knows, no, he knows plenty about radioactivity. He just knows nothing about safety. Yeah, it's, it's there. As a famous zoologist, I mean, you don't have to worry too much about that. Is he going to anti-vax his way natural immunity? Oh anti- no, he's going to anti-vax his way through radiation poisoning. Well, the funny thing is. That he doesn't seem to know he's not supposed to touch radiation, things that are radioactive. But then in the next, in that scene of the diet, they're like, well, how do we kill it? And he's like, we shouldn't kill it. It has a natural immunity to radiation. And we don't know anything about that. Like, that's a big deal. We could really do something with that. <laughs> so yeah. like, somewhere over the course of that boat trip, somebody explained to him what, what radiation was. And uh, suddenly he's well, like, it- oh, no, <laughs> this is great. Oh, well, this well, is really- that. And that's that. Oh, and that was the thing that happened there. And this is the thing. And so this thing is still alive. Well, it has that thing that killed a bunch of people. Okay, science. Well, I think the real big thing with Yamane learning about radiation was that nine years of very awkward conversations instantly made sense. Well, <laughs> and, uh, he, he, he tells them like to, to let them study Godzilla and don't attack Godzilla. And their immediate reaction is, all right, so that means depth charges like he's in the bay mm-hmm. let's just drop as many depth charges as we can come up with into our own bay where our Look, all of our it's an, shipping goes through and it's an experiment <laughs> we're going to experiment and see how many depth charges godzilla can survive turns out all of them and <laughs> yeah. now we know that's uh, science sometimes science is depth charges the, I mean, the funny do what they can. The the funny thing is, as stupid as some of that seems, like just living and living through twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, it's not as stupid as we think it is because oh, yeah. people yeah. are dumb as shit. No, why wouldn't bomb the ocean be plan A? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like all the all the dumb things people do in movies about science or science fiction or anything. It's not that, dumb to me anymore. It's just the way it is. It's that just was, the way we rack to shit. Almost <laughs> the biggest relief was like monster comes from sea. So bomb the sea equals bomb the monster. I'm like, that sounds aggressively American, but I guess it's just international <laughs> stupidity. I mean, the, pff, there's there's orders of magnitude. But if we all remember the Deepwater Horizon disaster and how like they're like, I will put trash on it. I don't know. Fuck. Like there's there's definitely especially when you're trying to control something that is that is like rapidly spinning out of control um you know and then the other thing and it's interesting because i'm a lot of this movie i kind of see again like it really brings in the lens from shin godzilla which i'll talk about at the end but um jeremy you wanted to say i was gonna say that's the perfect segue uh speaking of shoving trash into something that's going wildly out of control uh emiko then tries to go break up with uh (laughs) With her boyfriend with her uh, fiance Sarazawa, and Amazing. in the course of trying to break up with her, Sarazawa was like, "Hey, you're here. Let me show you the crazy shit I'm doing in my lab." And, and you can't tell anybody. And she's like, "Okay, <laughs> this sounds good. This is a good way for me to break up with you." Um, 
I mean, <laughs> Emiko, I think Emiko, the biggest, the biggest and most difficult lesson that she's going to have to learn is fuck politeness because she's trying to be very polite. And she's like coming in here and she's like, hey, how's it going? How's your eye? Okay, cool. Uh, it's and then going like, well. And I, I feel like this can't be the first time that there's been a hint that this man is not well. Because his basement is full on James Whale Frankenstein like is, levels of of science. Like there, he are, has uh, every science down there. Yeah, he I, has chemistry. He has electricity. He has fucking <laughs> biology. Those, those are the know? two sciences. That's right. Yeah, just, <laughs> I said yeah. three. Yeah, electricity, chemistry, and biology. Fucking nailed the disciplines. And well, there's other ones too, but we just didn't see those. There I was mean, like a Tesla coil in there, and that's there's more to that than that's electric. That's electricity. That, that's magnets. electricity. Yeah, magnets. He's got magnets. Should we go? Just being like, do I want to go into the mad scientist castle dungeon laboratory to see the weapon of mass destruction? Okay. Yeah. No I red mean, flags. She's trying to be, she's trying to like be diplomatic here. And she knows that Sarazawa's a little unusual. This is um, why you break up at a third location. This is what yeah. happens when, yeah. This is this right here. This is why the breakup happened. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there. Well, and we don't actually um, get to see what it is that he's doing. We just know that it involves a large tank of fish and spooky lights and right. the violin machine. Yeah, crazy violin machine that he he's turns on like he's like i want to talk about the future and he's being like i invented a machine to make inanimate objects feel pain <laughs> i mean but the the fact that she like screams and looks away is actually pretty effective here because you don't know i mean like again you know the, the, the less it, is more quality of this it feels like something i'm not sure i like buy if it wasn't like black and white and very classic noir feeling and in the 1950s like that turn away and scream but again for this movie it completely works like it mm -hmm. definitely raises the tension on just what the hell this weapon is and yeah really, and again sets the stage that this is not an awesome salvation check out our grand new weapon that whatever this is even if it's our only hope is just as bad as godzilla yeah and emiko is like obviously traumatized because she like you know when she comes home she's like Ugh. oh yeah fish death that's another trigger yeah yeah uh, fish and death. Ogata's like did you break up <laughs> yeah well Ogata like they don't find out until after um Godzilla comes and attacks and they're like oh shit we got to get out of here and then um Emiko's like oh yeah Ogata um didn't get a chance to yeah. talk about the thing and he's like pat never patch. came up it never came up <laughs> yeah yeah I mean to be fair the two of them have each one conversation that they need to take care of. She needs to talk to her fiance and break up. He needs to talk to his uh, to her father and get permission. They both fuck those conversations up very badly. <laughs> Maybe they do belong badly. with each other. I, they, I don't they, think it's Emiko's both... fault, though. Like, in Emiko's case, it's definitely not her fuck up. I mean, Emiko, Emiko could definitely at least have gone as far as, no, I think we should stay upstairs. I don't yes yeah but, but like, you're already in the murder basement lab <laughs> then you're like oh i i will absolutely keep this secret like whatever it takes to get me out of here alive yeah well i think that's the whole situation like he's like you gotta go see my basement and she's like 
uh well i'm already in your house and so i just want to (laughs) like nod and smile so shit is not what you know there's a lot to um to to unpack there about the the down there and it was just his new gaming setup (laughs) (laughs) that was his the whole thing was his xbox like the entire thing he had to invent video games so he could (laughs) look at my my new ghost set it's so shiny (laughs) (laughs) i have made this terrible new invention i call it the nintendo (laughs) got all my fish I made a JRPG. Oh, fuck. <laughs> we will kill Godzilla with power leveling because he will die from exposure. Who created I JRPGs? Really sad, now, I bought shares I shall be the inspiration for every villain. Yeah. It, it no. almost makes you wonder if they really want to be together because if they really wanted to be together, they would have found a way. Like, there's no good timing to ask anybody to either break up or the hand in marriage or whatever you just gotta do it you gotta push through foot and mouth there's no good time to do it and they don't and it makes you wonder if they're really serious about it or if they're just you know so there is an answer yeah. to that because uh momoko kochi does return as emiko yamane in 1995's godzilla vs destroya Mm-hmm. where it is clear that she did not marry Ogata and introduces herself as Serizawa's posthumous wife. Nice. I forgot about that. Go, Emiko. <laughs> I forgot about that detail. Oh, my God. I That's forgot about Mary that. Mary Shelley shit right there. Hell yeah. Hell nice. yeah. Nice. I- I don't know if that affects our our fe- feminism stance on this, this particular <laughs> film. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> It, but, is, it is a solid four. It is a sequel 40 years later. Yeah. <laughs> After like 17 other films or whatever. Yeah, maybe, so. maybe, maybe they did. Maybe she did get together with Ogata and then realized, hmm. Yeah. I imagine there was like, mm. got together and then there was a period of like Survivor's Guild combined with just being like, oh, I've banged you enough and you're still boring wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a point, you know. Um, at least the dead one was interesting. Yeah. yeah. And he did like sacrifice yeah. himself heroically. Spoiler. I mean, we're in spoiler section. But um, yeah, yeah, meanwhile, I, the rest I imagine of Tokyo you... is doing justice poorly because they are trying to stop Godzilla with essentially guns and an electric fence. I'd like <laughs> to imagine what she decided to write a book and then her agent was like, look, if you just stick with this, like, yeah, you married Sarazawa, like, we can fucking double your advance, like, no problem. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, but I like how, you know, death charges didn't work. An H-bomb made it upset. Let's try gun. Yeah, and they were gun? they were talking about it as like not even as a fe- like not even as a fence. They were just like, "Oh yeah, like having some like coiled wire will stop Godzilla, right?" Yeah. Like, sure. <laughs> Why not? Again, their plan is clearly just let's hope he walks into it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope and he, he gets does. frustrated and leaves. Which yeah, is, he... to be fair, eventually what happens, yeah. just not do yeah. anything <laughs> they do, because he proceeds to come in, chew on a train, uh, wreck all of their shit, burn down half the city, kill a tower full of newsmen as they're reporting. <laughs> he burns... Because the flashing lights, the flashing lights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, he... I guess they... This is by far this whole just like true destroying Tokyo sequence. I kind of think it's the best Godzilla's ever looked. I mean, every time they cut to him uh, breathing, and it's clearly like a 
like a puppet with like textured air coming out. <laughs> it's a little rough, <laughs> like because they they'll cut to like Godzilla's face and you'll see like it breathing what looks like like Superman ice breath from the eighties yeah, movie. That's true. <laughs> and, yeah. and then when like they turn back around, and it's like boom! It's like whoa, when shit! The ice just breath like- was really really explosive the feet and the tail like like to me i just like and again so much is just that noir feel and how strong and striking the shadows are which mm-hmm. me like it just really makes the texture of the pop and stand out and just makes the uh, just feel like a really real creature yeah, yeah the fact there's, that there's godzilla... no point in this where anybody has any effect on godzilla whatsoever yeah in this in the the tokyo destruction scene yeah um and this is it's interesting too because like the godzilla suit you know we see a couple shots of it head on um you know when it's doing the atomic breath which is not established as Victo- atomic breath it just melts shit and makes shit explode um and his his scales on the like his ridges on his back do like light up and shit with like some animation the best was definitely the power towers like not just exploding and breaking but like twisting and melting like that was such an amazing effect yeah i mean that's that is there's some imagery in this film that is still like if you go on like funimation you're gonna see it um in like pretty much all like animated media you know and of course also in um the uh it's a lot of the american disaster films took a lot from this i feel Um, like the shot on odo island where it's godzilla coming above that hill for the first time while people charge at him and then like run away i feel like i've seen that like replicated like a dozen times that and like the scene like that there's a pan where they go through the the wreckage and you see all of those like telephone poles just broken in half like matchsticks that's that's a very very iconic image um and it you know coming from real life coming from the results of of the atomic bombs and the firebombing of tokyo and stuff um but yeah so godzilla the the fucked upness of godzilla like how kind of funky the suit looks kind of adds to the horrifyingness and you know with all the lighting and everything because it's its head looks kind of weird and you know it might have eyes um and we see it like when we first see its head coming into the city at night only the eyes are reflecting and we're not really seeing the eyes move or anything but we are seeing kind of a reflection of the you know whatever material the eyes are made out of but it does have a very sinister look to it um and uh you know i mean it, like the, the puppetry does get a bit hokey here and there like there's a it's the the fire trucks there's a bit where a fire truck flips over and it's just obviously um uh i mean it's not bad time but it's it's um stop action and then the airplanes the airplanes were a bit much yeah the airplanes (laughs) were uh they tried yeah Yeah. the the bit with the bit where he's eating the train as well is very clearly like somebody's hand in a puppet going yeah on the train He's, yeah. I mean, he's eating it like Cookie Monster, where he's not able to swallow anything, so he's just kind of like th- smashing it against his mouth. Yeah. Um, I really want to talk. <laughs> I really want Godzilla to do a spot with Cookie Monster on Sesame Street. I'm sure Godzilla's well, been on Sesame Street. The the way people think of Godzilla walking is with his paws down and like kind of lumbering like this. But in this movie, the first time we see him walking through the city, his palms are up which is, is sort of like a, a Buddhist thing. Like if you see Buddhist statues, 
um, they're the heavenly ones are all palms facing up to, to signify like they're, they're, um, they're heavenly and stuff like that. So like in Shin Godzilla, when he's in his final form, he's walking around with his hands like this. That's a direct like leakage to, to this one. Yeah. And- well, and the, the, um, the, the thing about Shin Godzilla that like this movie, um, it's really, really fascinating because, you know, you so many people have associated the, the Godzilla with the kaiju and like just big guys in suits and um, jumping around and stuff, which is awesome, which is fucking awesome. But Shin Godzilla, um, they they emulate the quality, like the fucked up quality of the suit. And, and they take the, the idea of this like funky rubber suit and then they turn that into a monster. Like he has this weird... Um, like rib cage ridge which is from what the suit like just the the structure inside the suit like the way that to make it you know wearable for a human being and it's all based on these um these things that like were not ideal technology at the time but it was the best they could do and then it is taken like in a completely different direction because you know you see the legendary movies which make godzilla this giant like cool looking monster that with this intense looking face and his big old scales and his big arms and he's got big muscle arms and stuff and like his everything's bigger you know bigger teeth bigger head bigger scales on the back and then shin godzilla looks like a mistake um in the (laughs) in like the most terrifying way possible like shin godzilla has this weird head and its teeth are all fucked up and like it's got a like a weird shape to its body and it's like bleeding um and he's got these tiny little arms and you know you but it's still so terrifying because you see the the the, the sense of scale and the, like the human impact that it makes which is you know what this movie is about it's not about the cool monster it's about the the human impact of this disaster um so and and which I think is really well uh, expressed through this scene, which I see a lot when you when people refer to the Godzilla the original um, 1954 Gogeta, they do show this scene with a mother and her child who are oh. on the street corner, um, and they they have evacuated, but they couldn't get to where they were supposed to go, and they have their so suit. dark, yeah, and the mother is holding her child and saying, "We're going to join Daddy now," um, oh God. yeah, which is heartbreaking yeah yeah and this movie doesn't pull any punches on that shit either i mean we we have also mentioned in the notes here that godzilla is clearly anti-establishment i mean he does kill a lot of uh, innocent people he also uh hates fucking bridges and government buildings and cops like he's specifically if you going are going after these things if and you clocks, are infrastructure clocks, he fucking yes. hates you so watch out <laughs> biden because godzilla's coming out <laughs> Yeah, specifically, I mean, no. like trains. You know, Biden and trains. Man. He's gonna, he's gonna <laughs> eat your train, Biden. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, in this scene too, Godzilla just stops because he gets tired. It seems like, like Godzilla's like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm going back to the ocean. You know, that is one quality he shares in Godzilla vs Kong, where all of Godzilla's appearances are just he shows up, he fucks someone up until like he's content that they know that Godzilla's better than them. And then he just fucks right back off. And it's, yeah. I mean, that's I'm the best. Apparently, to chill hardcore in the bottom of the ocean. Because when we eventually do see Godzilla in the bottom of the ocean, he is napping, <laughs> laid out on his back. He's having a great time. He's he is chilling, chilling like a villain. Yeah. Like, 
that's some Godzilla living his best life. Like, yeah, well, like, do you think he would have woken up and attacked him or do you think it was like, all right, I think they got the message. We're good now. <laughs> but I yeah, think like, he well, like, got the message. <laughs> Simica was like, uh, actually, I've got a uh always showed me his research i feel like it's pertinent now because yeah, uh, all these people are dying and these kids are separated from their parents and there's they've got like a scene where a guy has a geiger counter up to a kid it's going ah, and you know and that's sad singing terrifying. yeah the, the, the singing is sad that's the, the saddest part is just is singing well the sad songs it made me want to like it was like the it's like when you're watching like a comedy show and then it's like for dollars a day, you can save this puppy. It's like, ah, oh, don't show me the sad puppies. That's the one. Yeah. 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 God. <laughs> it's um, like that scene in Shrek where they start playing Rufus Wainwright. Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I feel like, I mean, like I'm undercutting it now. Yeah. So, um, God, I had forgotten about that. Thanks for reminding me of that, Jeremy. I did it again. Uh, <laughs> No problem. Yeah. yeah. Woo. So, um, so uh, they decide they're going to go over to Sarazawa's evil castle and uh, try to convince him. So, like, we, we see the rest of the scene from earlier where Sarazawa introduces Emiko to his oxygen destroyer. Um, I can only imagine what that actually is in, in Japanese and, like, how if that's just a direct translation to, like, oxygen destroyer. Uh, which is, is what they what they translate it to in English. Um, yeah. That uh, I guess takes the oxygen out of water. I mean, I'm pretty. I mean, was there a different word for it, or did they just say in English like oxygen destroyer? I didn't hear them. I didn't hear them doing the the um, phonetic pronunciation of oxygen destroyer. So I they, it probably had some cool ass name that uh, was was like localized into oxygen destroyer through translation but um because i feel like that whole thing was a lot like okay so he puts a pellet in the tank and then he turns on the violin machine and they stand back and the pellet starts to bubble and then all of a sudden all the fish in the tank are skeletonized and somehow this has something to do with the fact that the oxygen has all in the water has all been liquefied and the fish have suffocated, but somehow immediately turns them into skeletons. Maybe it's like a comic book thing with like the X's over the eyes. This is like definitely a thing that in his description of it, I was like, oh, I get why you don't want to share this. Fucking up oxygen seems like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Oxygen's kind of important. So uh, fun fact about the oxygen destroyer, according to the old Godzilla wiki. Yeah. is that it is the oldest prop still on display and in known circulation uh, from the original movie. Oh, cool. Are we talking about the little pellet or the actual big one? Like the big one. Yeah. The big pellet. The big pellet yes. that's basically like a... a um, it is on display in San Diego. Fusion spheres or fission spheres or whatever they have in... We can see it when we go to Comic-Con. If we go to Comic-Con. Yeah, if there is a Comic-Con... I'll look at it. Supposedly, um, it's Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> which that's a whole other. Not doing that one, guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do it. Not going to be prudent. Uh, that's like putting up a fence. Mm -mm. I'm <laughs> thankful for great prices for signings with Doctor Who stars. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, the oxygen destroyer kills everything in the water. So Ogata and Emiko decide they're going to go talk to Serizawa and try and get him to chuck that shit in the bay um, so they can take out Godzilla. Uh, we do have the prayer for peace said singing sequence. And Serizawa is like, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. And then they're like, you kind of have to do it or Godzilla is going to kill all of us. And he's like, well, I'm going to have to burn all of my notes and swear that I'll never make this thing again. And we're going to have to like find some kind of way that you know, we never have to use this ever again because it's too dangerous to be used. Um, but she well, takes to a, an extreme, I think. It's funny because he's like, why did I ever invent this? And I'm like, dude, there's a point. I mean, like... I, you're not <laughs> in a romantic comedy, sir. Yeah, yeah, like, you're... <laughs> you know when when uh, Jeff Goldblum says your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should? He could have stopped to think if he should. Like, he oh, could have yeah. done it. Oh, yeah. He was by himself. He wasn't like... Unless fucking uh john malcolm john hammond john whatever the fuck john hammond is like over his shoulder being like spend no expense and then like you know forcing him to fucking make a oxygen destroyer i i mean who knows but he he said he did it for science and this isn't like penicillin where you accidentally stumble on a use for it like he was working on a way to destroy oxygen And so yeah, be like, OK, this is all bad right now. But one of these days, I'm going to figure out a good use for destroying <laughs> oxygen. Yeah, maybe like get rid of getting rid of poison ivy or something or like Someday, <laughs> mosquitoes going to attack us. And yeah. then I I will be the only one who knows how to take down oxygen <laughs> other so than breathing. I heard about this little movie called The Happening. <laughs> Uh, so Serizawa uh, is gonna decides he has to deliver this stuff himself. Uh, Ogata decides that he has to come down too because he has his only job is to accompany people places. Um, well, this is supposed to be the one instance where like his background as a salvage diver is supposed to come in handy, and it doesn't yeah. come in handy. It's not at all. He's so bad. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. So they I get down that. there, and Godzilla is mad chilling in his stone hammock at the bottom of the bay. Um, <laughs> And they're like, all right, let's put down this uh, this giant pill and get it started going. And uh, Ogata pieces out of there. And Sarah's I was like, all right, I'm going to start it up and I'm going to cut all my cords and stay down here with it. Um, and it turns well, no, Godzilla that... into, an, uh, into an eaten rack of ribs. <laughs> Wait, is that what happens? Because what I thought it was yeah. was that they were both going to stay down there. And then Sarazawa did something to make Ogata like, go back up. No, Okada, they were like, they were at sort of at the limit of their cords. And so they're like, okay, reel them back up. And then um, Okada is like, okay, I'm going. And then Sarizawa's like, you go. Oh, what I thought that was, was I thought that was like Sarizawa doing some kind of like, I don't know, a choppier suit and that makes it go back up. Because I, I, I thought he hit him, but I guess I was wrong. And there was a Sarizawa. I thought he was pulling a uh, George think- Clooney. In our in like uh, Armageddon, like, I think he tugged like, on the rope. I think he tugged on Ogata's rope, and they're like, "Oh, time to bring him in." And then he was like, "Oh yeah, cut mine." Yeah. yeah. Sarah's I was like, "Burning my notes isn't good enough. I also have to burn my brain." Um, 
So because yeah. he, he realizes he's human and he might be tricked or tempted somehow to make this again for yeah. some fucker. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, would, would this is the 50s. Would any of us put it past the CIA having him like fucking kidnapped within two weeks? So both Yamane and Emiko are sad to have lost their almost fiance slash almost son-in-law. They seem much more. Yamane especially seems much more sad about losing Godzilla. <laughs> uh, and yeah. he thinks. It's probably all going to happen again, and there's probably more Godzillas, but maybe there aren't any Godzillas. Either way, it's very sad. I love him because he either knows that no matter what it is, humanity sucks. Because we're either <laughs> murderous monsters that killed the last of a species, or we're just warmongering like bomb crazies who are just going to keep unleashing more of them. Either way, we're terrible, and it's our fault. Yeah, he, he humans. He definitely might as well look into the camera and be like, and as long as man keeps experimenting with radia- radiation, there will be another Godzilla. But it's <laughs> it's this really weird way where he's like, well, that was a missed opportunity, but there probably is going to be another one. And I'm kind of like, like he's more sad. He at, like paints he said, all scenarios as the worst case scenario, but there are multiple worst case scenarios, and I don't know which one is the worst case scenario. Yeah, well, I, I, I feel like his desire to study Godzilla was more imperialistic because, like earlier in the film, he mentioned something about like the Americans still holding the the possibility of the nuclear threat over us, and so yeah. I thought that like him un- unlocking the secret of nuclear resistance would be his way of freeing Japan from like the the possible tyranny of the United States and and Japan could finally be free. So like I looked at him as being like weirdly psychotically patriotic and not just, you know, I I feel sorry about Godzilla, but I feel more sorry for Japan because we were too stupid. The answer to ending America's imperialism and dominance over us with their nuclear power was right in our hands and we killed it. That makes it because again, not, my knowledge of history extremely limited in this so please bear in mind that i am bad at knowledge and history was my worst class uh was it america that would have been conducting those h-bomb tests that then would have awakened godzilla yeah so uh, a lot of those a lot of the h-bomb tests like a really really popular spot for them especially after hiroshima nagasaki you know, that's when, like, you know, the United States and Russia really started, like, racing for the better bomb. After the U.S., like, essentially occupied Japan there, a lot of those Pacific islands out there were just, like, taken over by the U.S. military and bombed the shit out of. Again, given that this was been in the 50s, that must have been such a powerful political statement. America's attacked and end with the war with World War II. Like, America is still getting us destroyed to, the, like, today. Like they, yeah. are, they are the reason we are, even if we never mention America, like with what we're saying, we're making it very clear that they are what they are the ones that have unleashed Godzilla on us. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's sort of the. Uh, and by the, they, I mean, we as. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and there's also this idea when they're like attacking Godzilla and how um, Dr. Yamane is like, we, we can't just attack it because that will make it angry. You know, so it's basically aggravating the problem with more violence because, you know, this this problem comes from there's uh, a violent practice, you know, the the testing of of weapons of war, weapons of mass destruction. 
Um, and so, you know, you're not going to fix this problem with more, more warlike weapons. You're not going to be able to explode it away because it was exploded here, you know? Um, and, uh, and then the whole thing with the, the oxygen destroyer, you know, being like this, it, it's really weird because you have like, okay, the only thing that can kill this horrible problem or get rid of this horrible problem is a worse problem. So, you know, how do we figure that out and how do we, we um, justify that? Well, we just make sure that there's no more worse problem. And, you know, that's where it makes, I mean, it's, it's tragic because Sarazawa has to sacrifice himself. And, and it's clear, this is not necessarily someone who wanted to do this. This was just someone who did not fucking trust humanity or himself and probably rightfully so is on humanity's side to not yeah. abuse this terrible thing. Like it, it, it's a sac, it's a sacrifice is what he's making. It's like, it's almost dying to prevent our sins. Hiroshima and Nagasaki were nine years or no, like eight years, not even before this movie. Like, not, yeah. Like it was, I mean, before this time, like that was less than a decade ago. Again, less time between now and the 2011 earthquake, you know, so that's like we have a, one of these characters who has survived Nagasaki. Right. And so and it's it's really interesting too seeing this from this time period, because so many times we there's so many me media that deal with Hiroshima and it's very, very dramatic. But we don't see the, the people who are like, yeah, I was there. I don't really want to talk about it. You know, it's not just Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It's like all the shit that happened in World War II on both sides that I'm sure is haunting these these people, especially Serizawa, you know, being a scientist and knowing what what happened in like the, in World War II. That's probably as, as good a place as we're going to have to transition to talking about the progressive politics of this. I think, you know, Serizawa is a really interesting case for a pretty early look at mental illness in these things i mean because he's I definitely mean, he has, somebody who's, who's dealt with severe trauma and yeah uh, not well he is yeah ptsd there's no mm -hmm. ands ifs or buts about it like the ogata has a line i think like if it wasn't for the war he never would have lost his eye like this is a clearly haunted, his eye. <laughs> yeah. yeah to me that yeah. is yeah that's again the yeah exactly like this is a person who was just so absolutely clearly haunted yeah and I, I think it says something that ultimately he's the hero of this story um you know this this guy who was given so much and already you know has has to give more because he can't he cannot allow himself to become the villain um you know yeah he has to yeah, do this, this thing to save the day and he knows if he continues to live that eventually yeah. he will be in a position to do a bad thing there's just again that tragedy um, that again probably only exists for scientists and directors of Rob Schneider movies. Uh, your life's work is something that shouldn't necessarily exist. Good way to soften that blow a little bit. It's just Thank trying you. to deal with this heaviness. Um, I, I do what I can. It's not Rob great, but it's not Schneider. terrible. I hope he blocks every one of us. Oh my God. Oh my God, I'd be so honored. Would be awful though, as, as I once met him when I was working for Howard Stern, and he was really nice to me. But I know he's a dick in real life, and just being nice to me doesn't absolve him of being a dick to like in general. Apparently, he used to own like one of the more famous local goth clubs here in the Bay Area. Oh my God, Goth Rob Schneider is not a Pokemon I want to see. Yeah, it's not a Pokemon uh, I want to catch. <laughs> um, 
Okay. Yeah. So I, I actually do think they do a really interesting job with, with, I mean, they don't, they don't have necessarily the vocabulary to discuss the mental health issues of, of Dr. Sarazawa, but they, mm-hmm. they deal with it in a, in a good and interesting way, other than him looking so, so scary the entire time he's on screen um, in a way that's clearly foreboding, but like yeah, his, his everything journey up- mentally is really interesting. I mean, everything about his fear of the ox destroyers. So those are like nuclear attacks. Yeah. And, you know, the science behind like all the all the science behind the creating of the creation of weapons of mass destruction. And, you know, the 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 like the really complex mentality around that. And I think it's a really interesting, mature take on a character like this because so much about him reads as villain as you said jeremy yeah. but in this film you know especially in films of this era horror movies and everything and he obviously is a call out to like frank dr frankenstein and stuff like that just because he has this crazy ass lab and his whole like hammer film kind of setup but uh the fact that he is the most sympathetic and interesting character in this movie is a really really like fascinating origin for this kind of complex character uh archetype in in a lot of in a lot of movies and a lot of that we don't really see until much later in in american films yeah so it's it's really it's really interesting no, and, i think you know, we say pretty clearly and i mean a lot of it is a a, a question of the time and place that is being made but there's not much in the way of LGBTQIA plus people or themes in this movie, right? Uh, when their people are dancing on the boat, uh, there's one couple that is two ladies dancing. Yep. And <laughs> that's, that's what you get. Queer rep. A lot of these men can hold each other. There's so Kurosawa th- can get it. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what. I mean, I don't know where where his uh, his uh, preferences lie. And honestly, whatever. So is that what the danger twink? Um, yes. Oh, he, uh, he, he could get it but he's you shouldn't be with him for a long time because no 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 that, no that down you that, can't fix that no yeah. that yeah i'm it's, just glad that he's that he's learned about real science because in any other situation he'd like you'd find that guy at a con and you'd be like oh this guy's mysterious and cool and then he's like <laughs> the oxygen turns into liquid <laughs> now um how do we feel uh, is, do we feel like this movie deals with racial and social justice at all? I mean, there's, it is, you know, a movie made in Japan, set in Japan, starring mostly Japanese people. There are a couple of white people that are brought in to hear discussions of uh, Godzilla, but I don't think they actually have any speaking parts. Yeah, this is, they have no lines. This yeah. is one area where I, a Jewish person from the United States of America, and am in no way qualified to say how like i mean the yeah this it's a movie in japan about japan with an all japanese cast like yeah the how only it is place where i feel like this this might be any sort of issue is the same place where i feel like it might intersect with class which is yes. just sort of the way that they show odo island is sort of this like they're this, this rural place where they still run around with swords and do and i guess until like the last couple of years have been sacrificing people yeah, there mm-hmm. might be internal uh, representation issues. I do not feel in any way qualified to speak to them, to that. There might there might be some on the political side with that lady who is yelling at the diet, like, we have to tell the people that, like, this is happening. But I, 
I don't know enough about like the political system in Japan. Like, and we don't know enough about her. Like if she was representing like what class of people she was representing or if she was just representing an area or a city. So like she did seem to yeah. win, though, because the next scene is I mean, like, ah, Godzilla's going to fuck our shit up. Let's get out of here. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a, a lot of journalists that we see. Um, and there is that that. Uh, schism of you know the, the government and the journalists and you know trying to to expose the truth to the people and then like you know keep the people calm and stuff like that so class does um factor there um and yeah because with the social justice there's the class there and there's also um and also the fact that the the train lady the nagasaki train lady who's like i want to go dance on my yacht i don't give a fuck about this godzilla situation you know and like i mean that's not great like in terms of you know th- that's a good representation of of privilege in a way but then also she did survive nagasaki so i think that there's a little bit more depth there than simple class dynamics um i think it's more about just the kind of what going through shit can do to you one of the reporters i think may have been from hong kong i thought maybe he had a badge on him that said he was from hong kong yeah now the the woman that you were talking about in the the, the diet that starts the big uh, fight with them trying to get them to tell the people the truth. I do think she factors interestingly into the question of, hey guys, is Godzilla feminist? I mean, it's not really a point of the movie, but I do think <laughs> that, yeah, it's <laughs> this, this lady in the diet building um, and also the fact that Emiko's decision really affects the, the, the flow of the story. And significantly. she's not fridged. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's to me. I think that's such a big part of it is that yeah, she's not fridged, and the movie absolutely gives her agency. I mean, Godzilla doesn't pick her up and climb to the top of the Empire State Building. Emotionally intelligent, she's canny, she's clever, she can be passionate. I mean, aside from um, proneness for fainting, I think she's a very, I think she's a really well. She's a good, well-rounded character that the movie treats well. Yeah. Uh, we also have that choir of girls. Um, that... Look, their singing is what makes Arizawa do it. Like they're the MVPs. Without that yeah. singing, their their beautiful song. Godzilla um, would be rampaging to this day if they didn't sing over that news footage. <laughs> probably. So my heart goes out to the teenage girls of whatever high school those girls were a part of because they were all wearing the same uniform. They're doing a bang up job with that song. <laughs> Um, interestingly this movie uh neither like goes out of its way to kill women in the godzilla section uh, to tragic effect any more than anybody else nor does it go out of its way to not do that so i feel like it's it's an egalitarian godzilla right yeah like i again the civilian death that stands out so much is the mother with the kid but it doesn't feel exploitative or objectifying it just feels horrific and tragic yeah it feels it feels like uh sympathetic um and very real and in not a way that feels like pandering you know Mm -hmm. yeah now um i mean that wraps up our our political questions there do we think this is a movie that's worth seeing do we recommend people check it out yes 100 percent. yeah if if the I would recommend it to someone that has good taste. (laughs) (laughs) What would you recommend to somebody who doesn't have good taste? I would recommend it to a lot of people. I feel like I know, I feel like I know a lot of people where I'd be like, 
hey, it's slow when it's in black and white and you're going to be like, I don't like subtitles and I wouldn't recommend it to you, but you have bad taste. So, you know, who <laughs> yeah, cares go about watch Godzilla, you? the animated series instead? Exactly. Well, actually, well, no, you should watch that anyway, because that's a legit show. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what? Go, watch, go watch your Godzilla King of the Monsters with your Millie Bobby Browns. Your new Godzilla <laughs> King of the Monsters. New Godzilla King of the Monsters. I mean, this movie is, I mean, like, I think that if you watch this movie as part of the Criterion Collection, I think that Criterion Collection opener is going to tell you all you need to know. That's exactly the way to watch it. Like, yeah. anyone that considers themselves, like, a lover of cinema or a film buff, 100%, you have to watch this movie. Yeah, if you... If if your reaction to seeing the Criterion Collection and then the like Janus logo is yes, then yeah, you should want to see it. If your reaction to seeing that is oh, then don't don't bother. <laughs> just, just go watch the movie. Although if you are a fan of Godzilla and Kaiju in general, you should watch this movie because you know, yeah, roots. All all of the quote unquote tropes of the genre they started here. Actually, yeah, and, if you watch any anime whatsoever, you I don't, I don't watch it. Yeah, also, if you're yeah. like a fan of practical special effects, like they do some really interesting stuff in here. Not all of it works, but like the, the work with miniatures and, and you know, even the, the guy in the suit, like a lot of it is, is really cool and really good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're um, a fan of Common Rider, if you're a fan of Super Sentai, you're already you've already watched this. So, you yeah, know, it's all good. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, on that note, Jamie, do you have any recommendations for people that watch this and do enjoy it? What should they check out uh, next? Yeah, I, I have all Godzilla recommendations. We've already mentioned Shin Godzilla, so I feel like we have to mention it again. Everyone should go watch it. It has echoes from this movie for sure, but it for, also for people has that aren't familiar with the Shin movies, how would you describe that, like how it interacts with Godzilla? It's um it's an it's a new interpretation it's like a modern interpretation of godzilla but the the focus is on like how the government reacts when confronted with something that they don't understand like the it it's it's sort of ano's commentary on the earthquake and how the government reacted during the earthquake um but it's it's you know godzilla is a, a force of nature and it's a destructive force of nature and it's how the government deals with it. But it's so, there's so many different segments of the government. They're not sure what department to go from. So like, if you like political farce and political theater, it's the perfect movie for you. If you like, if you, if you're following politics at all these days and you just want to bash your head in, this movie answers many of your questions. <laughs> I feel like this movie <laughs> is made for you. Um, and if you if you really enjoyed this movie, this Shin Godzilla is like the evolved form of the ideas presented here. Like Ano takes the ideas presented here and fucking runs with it and just turns everything up to eleven. Like Godzilla looks amazing in this. Um, the 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 shots of people running, it's like it's like it's like found footage. It's like newsreel footage. So it it it, it feels like very modern. It's um, like a documentary almost. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I. That's why I'm so excited about Shin Ultraman. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I have uh, two other recommendations: uh, Godzilla versus Destroya, which is from 1995, which ended the the quote unquote Heisei era. 
And it's the return of the oxygen destroyer. So the oxygen destroyer features prominently in Destroyer. So, mm. and then um, Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla, which is from 2002, which is part of the millennium millennium era of Godzilla films, and it's a direct sequel to this one because they take the the skeleton of Godzilla and turn that into Mecha Godzilla. So sequels abound. Oh yeah, fun. I awesome. like that. Yeah, so those are mine. Cool. Awesome. Uh, ben, what have you got? So I am actually going to go different direction than the monster genre, and I'm going to pick uh, Star Trek The Next Generation uh, for more of those uh, thoughtful, methodical, uh, sci-fi, and philosophical conundrums like the kind Dr. Sarazawa faced. That's a really good poll. Thank you. I wouldn't even thought of that, but yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. Uh, Emily, what have you got? Well, I, of course, echo uh, the the recommendation of Shin Godzilla. And, you know, there's a shit ton of Godzilla movies that are fantastic for various reasons. Godzilla 1985, I think. I haven't seen that one in forever. But um, And then there's a really fantastic one from the Showa era, which is Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, also known as Godzilla oh, yeah. versus Ghidorah. Yeah. which is a weird psychedelic environmentalist like romp um with multiple filming styles and like weird shit it's just it's crazy and and it's it's a lot more like godzilla's the fun happy like the hero character i guess that all the children love and then there's another one that I believe is from the early uh, the early millennium era, which is Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, uh, Tokyo SOS, or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and this is one, I think that's the name of it. Um, and this is one where Godzilla is now, again, the, the antagonist. And so they've actually changed the Godzilla look so he has no eyeballs. And they have to use these other monsters to fight him and in this movie there's also like a heroic sacrifice so like king Ghidorah is actually a protagonist in this is king Ghidorah is a big dragon that sounds like a dolphin with three heads mothra of course it's slightly different but you know the same sort of don't fuck with nature message and uh, godzilla final wars if you want to see all the monsters and some <laughs> ridiculous ass like action bullshit like this is where they they take all the character stuff and they turn it into the same kind of action bullshit that the monsters are like there's no pretense here there's no like okay we're gonna make a try to make a serious sci-fi so no uh the plot from the original godzilla destroy all monsters with all the monsters but and then godzilla kills the american godzilla which is worth seeing that just that by itself is why it's worth um really quick talk about ano hideaki ano uh who directed shin godzilla and shin ultraman um director of neon genesis evangelion you could just just watch it just watch that. Just watch it. I don't recall if you've ever talked about Neon Genesis Evangelion on this program before. Emily. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know how I feel about Neon Genesis Evangelion. You're um, ambivalent about it, I believe. Right? Yeah, I heard about it recently <laughs> and I thought, well, this looks interesting. You're a Neon um, Genesis agnostic. <laughs> That's good shit. That's good shit, Jeremy. Thank you. Um, also, uh, the comic and movie Barefoot Gen, if you want to uh, have your life changed about the horrors of Hiroshima, sort of um, autobiographical comic and turn into an animated film uh, about a guy who did witness Hiroshima from basically ground zero. And um, it is 
it fucking changed my life. So, um, you know, it's very sad just putting that out there. Um, no Rob Schneider jokes here. This is some serious shit. Um, and then there's a book, there's an essay um, and a collection called Little Boy by Japanese fine artist Takashi Murakami that talks about um, the, uh, the uh, mass media in Japan and how it is evolved through uh, the post-war eras and um, into, you know, a lot of the, and that's it. Awesome. Uh, I was trying to kind of go with the theme of monster movies that aren't actually about monsters. They're about other things um, to some extent. Um, I do, I do want to just say again, uh, I really like, uh, Gamera. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, he's basically a ripoff of Godzilla, but he's a giant turtle with jet boosters. So like, it's hard to not love that guy. Um, uh, and I think, uh, two, two more recent ones that are worth checking out that are, you know, about giant monsters, uh, and how they, they interact with humans and, uh, all the fucked up stuff that goes on with that is uh, there's a flick called Monsters. Um, it's a UK movie from just a couple of years back. Um, it is, uh, it's a little slow like like this one, but uh, really good. Uh, it's from 2010. Um, and it is about, it's, it's directed by Gareth Edwards. It's about uh, two people that are trying to get from uh, South America to the United States. And there's just sort of a whole zone that's occupied by these, you know, space monsters that fell from the sky and uh, they have to navigate this to, to get back to the U S because they've, you know, missed, missed the last boat coming back. So that, that one's really good. Also uh, the host, which is a Bong Joon-ho movie, uh, which is good. Yeah. It's big, uh, big, scary (laughs) tentacle beasts. Um, And that one's, it's a lot of fun. And like all Bong Joon-ho movies, it's, it's about other stuff too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, so uh, definitely that one's worth checking out. If you want more uh, serious stuff about uh, World War II and the, the aftermath of uh, the, the nuclear bombs, uh, you can watch Grave of the Fireflies. Um, like Emily said, that's the saddest fucking thing that's ever been made. It's uh, very difficult to watch. Please do not. I mean, you watch it if you want, but know that you're going in for the saddest movie ever if you yeah. watch Grave of the Fireflies. the name grave of the fireflies sounds like at some point it's going to be like even like pan's labyrinthy where there's like some some fun you know creepy (laughs) creepy monster stuff in there no grave of the fireflies is just sad and it just gets sadder all the way through but it's like it's very on the ground if stories are roller coasters taking you on twists and turns, ups and downs and loop to loops of emotional highs and lows and all sorts of feelings. Then Grave of the Fireflies is the Tower of Terror just plunging you ever downwards into pure sadness. Yo, Fairfoot. One direction, sad. The thing about Grave of the Fireflies is, you know, it's about, it's it's about the Tokyo firebombing. It's sad as fuck. What it doesn't have is images of people melting from the atomic blast. So there's that. Um, I would actually recommend if you want something that is sad and not like super traumatizing, I would recommend Grave of the Fireflies. You know, Hayao Miyazaki, beautiful, you know, he knows what he's doing. Um, I can't remember who directed Grave of the Fireflies, or excuse me, that's Hayao Miyazaki, uh, uh, Barefoot Gan. But that movie is also like fucking crushes. Um, so, you know. Yeah, not, not all movies are 
use fun monsters as good ways to talk about the you know atomic bomb <laughs> i would also recommend uh hellboy 2 the golden <laughs> army it has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with Godzilla, but it's a good movie. Maybe check it out. <laughs> yeah, watch it after Grave of the Fireflies if you want something to bring you bring you up a little you bit. I, I mentioned Pan's Labyrinth as like a, a fun kind of thing, but that I, I think has a lot in I mean, common with Godzilla where it's like, yes, it's about a horrible traumatic war thing, but also we put in like cool, scary monsters to like stand in for that stuff. Yeah, it's like, whimsical. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was gonna, monsters. Oh, it I was is say, about the horrible saying, murder of people. Yeah, yeah, like is your fun whimsical movie a symbol, like a symbolic tale about the rise of fascism? I mean, sometimes <laughs> you need a little sugar with that pill. But um, <laughs> by the way, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, all, giant monsters all out attack from two thousand one is the one I was thinking of. Mm. A lot of words, but that's a title. Awesome. GMK. Well, we, with all of that uh, out of the way. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Jamie, can you let people know where they can find more about you and your work online? Uh, Twitter, Angry Zen Master. Instagram, Jamie Noguchi. I have a YouTube channel that I kind of use sometimes, Draw Jam. And then I'm on Spotify. Uh, you can find a whole bunch of other crap. Just put my name and stuff. Crap. All right. Just put his name and stuff. Put my um, name and stuff. I'm there. <laughs> Emily, what about you? Megamoth. M-E-G-A-M-O-T-H, like Mothra. There's a reason. Um, it's Mothra. Um, <laughs> sometimes there's underscores. Sometimes there's spaces. But it's always yeah, sometimes there's un- underscores. Sometimes there's periods. If it's, a, if it's TikTok, there's a dot. If it's Instagram, there's an underscore between the mega and the moth. Um, and check out Printless, uh, wherever fine books are sold independently. And um, yeah, I have a Patreon and I do things. I have this week's Patreon, this week's Patreon, this this month's Patreon. Print and reward is Hannibal fan art. So you know, if you want some of that. All right, they're fanables. Um, and Ben, what about you? You can find me at Twitter at, at @benthecon. You can find links to my work at benconcomics.com. Renegade Rule is out in stores now from Dark Horse Comics. And keep an eye out this fall for the uh, graphic novel tie-in to Ubisoft's uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising by myself and Giorgio Brooks. Nice. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 My website is jeremywhitley.com. Uh, you can order or pre-order books that, uh, well, I've done with, I, I'm doing books with, with everybody here. You can order or pre-order most of them. Uh, so, you know, uh, Emily and I do Princeless, which there's nine books of a 10th one is coming. Uh, they're all orderable, uh, anywhere fine, fine books are sold. Jamie and I make school for extraterrestrial girls. Uh, the first book of which is out the second of which is coming soon and just had a, uh, free comic book day, uh, edition that just dropped by the time you'll be hearing this. Um, just super exciting. You're going to love it. Um, and Ben and I TBD, um, or TBA, I guess. Um, uh, the podcast itself is progressively horrified. You can support us on Patreon. We would appreciate that greatly. It's patreon.com slash progressively horrified uh, to keep us talking about scary movies and how they're actually ahead of their time. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Prog Horror Pod uh, or all of us at Prog Horror Pod. And our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. And please, wherever you're listening to this, we would love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review so that we can get more listeners, we can get more people checking us out. So tell a friend, uh, 
to to come check out uh, and us talking about scary movies and how they're good actually. Um, so, so thank you so much to everybody for joining us. Thank you so much for coming out, Jamie. We uh, had a ball talking about Gojira with you. Woohoo! That was awesome. <laughs> yes, this was the best. This was a blast. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you to Godzilla for coming as well. Um, <laughs> he's trying he's talking at to microphone. Be... It's not picking up. Uh, oh no, he's not. <laughs> yeah, oh, well. just a little bit of it. Um, and thank you for. Uh, thank you to Emily and Ben, as always, for joining me. And thank you to all of you for listening. We appreciate you. And until next time, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Jamie Noguchi. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at Pod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com.